0: All right, good evening, y'all. Just want to say how glad we are to have you here uh, tonight as we dive into God's Word, study about Him, and get to worship Him a little bit. Uh, Last time I got up here and spoke, uh, the one critique I had was, hey, make the font on your PowerPoint bigger. Uh, I did, but not enough. So if you can't read it, I'm sorry. I apologize all things in moderation but powerpoint font apparently Uh, so as i was getting ready uh for this lesson i started thinking about our theme for the year which is transform and and one of the things that that came to mind uh you know i'm a huge movie guy i I love stories and i started thinking about some of our favorite characters or some of my favorite characters in some of the movies and, and stories that i've watched or read and how they transform through their story. Uh, the, the one that came to mind for me, uh, and probably a lot of people my age and younger, is of, co- of course, Tony Stark in the Marvel movies. We start off in, in Iron Man 1. He is arrogant, he is rude, and he is not a fun guy to be around. But through the course of that first movie, we see that, hey, he's still a very prideful guy, but it's turned down just a notch. And he's not just looking out for himself anymore, he's looking out for the people around him and the community around him. Fast forward a couple movies, we see him join the Avengers, we see him learn how to stop being uh, focused only on himself and learn how to work in a team. His next solo movie, we see him deal with, hey, what are the effects of going to war uh, with this alien race that invaded earth and we see him kind of grow through uh, some PTSD uh, type things and we kind of see his growth throughout the entire series up until uh, Endgame, yeah, Uh, in uh, 2019 we see him give his life to save the day, save the world and we're able to see his growth and we're able to see this growth in pretty much any story that you can think of. Uh, When we look at some of Shakespeare's stories, we we can see, hey, people are growing through this story. People learn how to understand. People learn how to communicate with one another. A lot of the stories that we're focused on as we're in school, the, the books that we're forced to read, focus on the growth of a character. And we're obsessed, and we love to see people grow and people transform in these stories, And when it comes to Scripture, the the people that we tend to relate to, the people we tend to call out as our favorite Bible characters are these people who we see have flaws and these people that we see are growing uh, throughout Scripture. One of the most common names you're going to hear when people say, uh, who's your favorite Bible character is Peter. And and we see Peter start off as this kind of loud, not someone who uh, speaks before he thinks type guy. Uh, not always uh, thinking, uh, not sometimes gets a little bit ahead of himself. But we're able to see Peter grow. We're able to see him. He is the first to name Jesus as the Messiah. He is the one who, who gives the sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And we see him eventually write letters that circulate all around the early church to encourage them. And we can pick out any Bible character and and see how they grow. Uh, Some of my favorites, we we look at David, we see some of the mistakes he makes. We're able to look at Samuel and see, hey, he's a guy who gets discouraged. We're able to see Moses, and he's a guy who's a little uh, quick to temper at times. But one of my favorite stories of growth is one of these that we don't really focus on all that often because he's not A huge in-front character. Uh, He is not someone who we spend a lot of time with. Uh, And this person is, if you can read it, if it's big enough on the screen, is Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus is one of these guys that is mentioned in the book of John, and that's really the only place we see him mentioned in Scripture. And we only see him mentioned three times in Scripture, and it's all in passing. But as we go throughout the story in the Gospel of John, we're able to see Nicodemus kind of transforming his worldview, transforming what he believes and turning into a different type of person throughout the story of Scripture. And so what I wanted us to do today as we kind of dive into Nicodemus's transformation is I want us to pull out some things that Nicodemus did and some things that Jesus did for Nicodemus to help him transform. Because if we're going to focus on transforming our prayer life, transforming our Bible study, giving, whatever you put in that blank on your card, if we're going to focus in on those things, we have to have some some, uh, ways to do that. We have to have some things that are going to help us get there. And so what I wanted us to do was walk through Nicodemus's story and see, hey, how did Nicodemus help himself transform, and how did Jesus also help him transform? Because this is not something that we're doing on our own. Yes, we as individuals are focusing in on things that we need to change in ourselves, but also the person sitting next to you in the pew, the person sitting two or three rows behind you, they need help in this as well. This is not a journey you can take on your own. So I want us to dive into this and see how we can help ourselves transform and see how we can help our friends who are here with us transform their own spiritual life. And so we're going to be able to see three distinct things in Nicodemus's story that he does for himself to help himself transform. The first thing that I want us to point out is that Nicodemus was a curious guy. And the first thing that you need to have to help yourself transform is curiosity the first place that we see Nicodemus in scripture is in John chapter 3 so if you want to go ahead and go ahead and open up there John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 we're going to get an introduction to Nicodemus and, and see what all he's doing so John chapter 3 starting in verse 1 now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a rule a ruler of the Jews This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, the very first thing that we see Nicodemus do, or here, let's start out with who he is. We see that John introduces him as a Pharisee. And we see that he is also named as a ruler of the Jews. So we see, hey, Nicodemus is already a well-studied dude. He is one of the experts on Jewish law during his time here on earth. And we also see that he's a ruler of the Jews. Some other translations might go ahead and and put it in there that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, Now, if you don't know what the Sanhedrin is, the, the best way to describe it is it is the Jewish Supreme Court is basically the best way to describe it. It's 70 Jewish law experts who, when someone breaks the law, they come in and say, how should we rule on this? What does the law actually say? How does the law tell us we should handle this? And so uh, immediately we're able to learn that, hey, Nicodemus is a very smart dude, an expert on Jewish law and such an expert that he is appointed to be one of the highest positions within the Jewish state. Now, Nicodemus is, you know, around Jerusalem hearing about this guy, Jesus, who is coming around preaching and teaching new things. And the first thing that we see Nicodemus do is he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what is it that you're actually teaching? What is it that you're telling all these people that are captivating them? What are you saying? What are you doing? What is drawing these audiences to you? And what is so different about what you have to say? And we're able to go through uh, John chapter 3. The the first half of this chapter is Jesus explaining to Nicodemus what he's all about. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in a couple minutes. But I want us to focus in on this curiosity and focus in what Nicodemus is doing here. He's saying, hey, there's something different about Jesus. I don't know what it is. I don't know what exactly is going on, but I need to find out what it is. I need to find out what's so special and what's so different about this guy. And what I want us to take away from that is you cannot find where you need to transform yourself if you aren't looking for what you need to change. Now, Nicodemus, we see, does this. He's saying, hey, there's something different going on here. There's something different being taught here, and I I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's different. And it's the same in our own lives. We, We look at ourselves, and we're able to see the places that we're weak. We're able to see the uh, places where we fail. But if we're not going to go out and actually look for a solution, if we're not actually going to go out and seek out someone who can help us, there's not going to be any change in our life. And so if we actually want to spend the year of 2024 transforming our lives, there has to be some amount of curiosity about what we need to change and how we can change it. So ask yourself questions. Ask yourself, hey, where am I weak? Ask yourself, hey, what's the solution to this? Hey, what can God do to help guide me to fix this problem? Hey, is there someone who can give me advice on to how to do this? Is there someone who struggled with this before? This natural curiosity and this asking of questions is going to help ourselves transform into the people that God wants us to be. The next thing that we're able to see Nicodemus do, and something that helps Nicodemus on his journey, is that he is a courageous dude. The The next chapter that we see Nicodemus mentioned in is John chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to look at this story for a bit. So end of John chapter 7, we see that Jesus uh, starts talking and... and Says that, or Jesus starts speaking and people start claiming that he is the Christ. Back in uh, John chapter 7, verse 40, when they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophets, and others said, He is the Christ. And we see that Jesus causes a stirring. The things that Jesus is preaching and teaching are causing people to say, hey, we need to listen to this guy. There's something different about Jesus. And then when we continue on into that last paragraph of the chapter, we're able to see that, hey, something is happening. And so John chapter 7, starting in verse 45, the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him Jesus? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. The Pharisees that are around Nicodemus, these Pharisees who are seeking to take Jesus in and figure out what he's actually saying and what he's actually preaching and teaching are saying, hey, everyone else is dumb. This Jesus guy is a liar. This Jesus guy is not the person that he's claiming to be. And you guys should have brought him in no matter what the crowd around him was thinking. No matter what you were thinking, you should have listened to us, the Pharisees, the rulers, the priests, the Sanhedrin. And we see that these priests and Pharisees, they're already condemning Jesus, saying that him and all of these people who are starting to listen to Jesus are accursed saying, hey, these people are lost and they need to be put in their place is what they're saying here in these passages. But as these people who were supposed to come and bring Jesus in and these other Pharisees are talking, we see a dissenting voice come out among the Sanhedrin. Picking up in verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. You see, among Nicodemus' friends, among his co-workers in the Sanhedrin, we see that they have already made up their mind about Jesus. Jesus. They've already made up their mind that, no, this can't be the Messiah. This can't be the person that he's claiming to be. But we see Nicodemus look at everyone that's around him and say, hey, no, we're we're doing this wrong. For people who are experts on the law, we're judging before this man has had his chance to testify. And, you know, I wasn't around 2,000 years ago to actually see the Sanhedrin. And how they worked but based on what we're able to see and the picture we get from the gospels this is how they normally operate they're very quick to judge very quick to pull that trigger but we see that nicodemus stands up and says hey no jesus deserves his chance to speak to us deserves his chance to speak in court and we see that this courage is something that's going to allow Nicodemus to actually help change himself. And so allowing yourself to change, allowing yourself to transform, means standing up and standing against your old status quo. Whether you're someone who's not good at getting into your Bible, whether you're someone who's not good about your prayer life, whether you're someone who's not good at blank, fill in that blank. If you allow yourself to stick to your old routines, stick to your old habits, and stick to your old way of life, stick to what you know, you're not going to change. You're not going to give yourself that opportunity, and you're not going to give yourself that window. You have to be able to stand up against the status quo, stand up against what you've been doing for the longest time. Have courage to stand up against who you were before and stand up against what you need to change in your life. And the last thing that we're able to see Nicodemus give himself in order to transform is we see Nicodemus actually gives himself plenty of time to make this change. The last place that we see Nicodemus is over in John chapter 19. This is after Jesus has died. This is after Jesus uh, has been stabbed in the side. He's taken off of the cross. And we see that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea provide all of the funeral arrangements for Jesus. And this is Nicodemus loudly and proudly proclaiming, hey, This Jesus guy was worth something. This Jesus guy is someone who is powerful, impactful, and who he claimed to be. Now, I've never had a personal interview with Nicodemus, but, but what I read from the subtext of the scripture in John chapter 19 is this is Nicodemus proclaiming that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And when we look at the timeline from Jesus starting his ministry, to the time of his death, we see that he was preaching and teaching for three years before he was crucified. The first time that we see Nicodemus come to Jesus and ask him questions, he came in the middle of the night. John chapter 3 tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Why would Nicodemus come at night? Why wouldn't he talk to Jesus? during the day, when he was already out preaching and teaching, interacting with the community. It's because Nicodemus wasn't someone who wanted to be associated with Jesus at the start. He was curious. He wanted to know what Jesus was talking about. He wanted to know what this new movement in Israel was about, but he didn't want to associate with Jesus. Well, fast forward a year and we see people starting to accuse Jesus, starting to say, hey, we need to bring Jesus in, put him in his place. We see Nicodemus say, hey, we should give him a fair trial. We should give him the space that he needs. We should give him, we should treat him like we do anybody else. And then we see Nicodemus a year or two later after we meet him in John chapter 7 say, hey, this is someone who was exactly who he claimed to be. And we see that Nicodemus gave himself the time. He didn't say, hey, if I believe Jesus and understand perfectly what he says this first night that I come to him, I'm going to jump in headfirst. We don't see Nicodemus dive in three weeks after meeting Jesus. We don't see Nicodemus' life transforming just like that. We see over a course of three years, Nicodemus changes. And so part of Nicodemus' transformation, the part that we see of it, the story of Nicodemus that we have takes place over three years. And we shouldn't feel the need to rush our transformation. Yes, there are things in our life that we need to change. There are things that we're weak at. There are things that we can get better at. But sometimes it's better to take your time and actually make sure that you're transforming correctly. Uh, the, the example that, that came to mind when, when I realized this point was uh, the reality show, a uh, reality competition show, The Biggest Loser. Um, I remember watching this with my dad. It, it was... If you don't know the show, it was a competition show where they would bring in people who needed to lose weight, three, 400-pound-plus people. And the entire point of the show was, hey, whoever loses the most percentage of their starting weight, by the end of the show, wins, I want to say, $100,000. In the course of 13 weeks, these people would lose 150, 200 pounds. And you know what, you would end the season thinking, man, these people have transformed their life. They're never gonna go back to the way that they were before. Their health is in better shape. They're in the best shape of their life. They're in a fantastic position. But a study was done a couple years after the show concluded and on average, about 70% of the weight they lost was put on a year later. They rushed their transformation. They didn't do it right, and they lost all the progress that they had made. And rushing our transformation, rushing the things that we need to change, might put us in the same place. We might do great for a while. But is it going to be a lasting change? As we transform and as we focus on the things that we're focusing on in 2024, let's not set hard and fast goals. Hey, I've got to be praying every day, every time I walk down the hall, every time I go into a meeting and say, hey, I've got to hit this goal and do it fantastically for a week, two weeks, three weeks, but then drop off after a certain amount of time and fall into our old habits. Let's give ourselves the time to actually grow. Give ourselves the time to actually form habits that are going to last. And so as we follow Nicodemus and see the things that he does for himself, we're able to see that he's curious about the things that he's doing wrong, curious about the things that he needs to change. He's courageous. He stands up against the old status quo that he had, stands up against the people who are pushing him back into his old habits, but we also see that he gives himself time to correctly change his habits, correctly change his thinking. Now, like I said at the beginning of this, yes, we are focusing individually on what we need to transform, what Eli needs to transform this year. I'm focused on me, Jenna's focused on Jenna, Tim's focused on Tim. But realistically, we're not solely focused on ourselves, A huge part of coming to church, a huge part of being part of the church is this idea of community and supporting each other as we grow and as we continue to pursue Christ together. And as we walk through Nicodemus's story, we see that he's not the only one who's focused on his growth. We're able to see that, hey, Jesus is also focused in on Nicodemus and investing in him and making sure that he grows. Jesus befriended Nicodemus. Jesus was Nicodemus's friend. They had a relationship, and we we're able to pick out a certain couple things that Jesus was able to do to help Nicodemus grow. And as we're focused in on this part of it, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of Jesus. There are plenty of people that we want to help grow in our lives. You want to help your friends grow. You want to help your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend grow. Parents, you want to help your kids grow. Kids, you want to help your parents grow. And so as we put ourselves in the shoes of Jesus, let's focus in on these relationships and, and see how we can emulate Jesus helping Nicodemus in his growth. Going back to John chapter 3, we're able to see that the first thing that Jesus gives Nicodemus is information. And so we turn back to John chapter 3. And as we read through verses 3 through 21, the first half of John chapter 3, we're able to see Jesus give Nicodemus the information that he's seeking. You know, Nicodemus comes up and he says, We know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And we see that Jesus says, hey, you have to be born again to be part of this movement that I'm starting, to be part of the church that I am going to start. And Nicodemus, taking Jesus quite literally, says, how can you be born again? You know, you can't crawl into your mom and be born again. I'm not sure why he took Jesus so literally, but he did. And we see Jesus give this whole explanation of what being born again actually looks like. This idea of putting yourself into Jesus, covering yourself with his blood and being cleansed and made whole. And we see an explanation of what Jesus's ministry is. And his purpose here on earth was all about. We have a solid 19 verses of Jesus explaining to Nicodemus what he's all about. And if we truly are trying to help people transform, we have to give them what they need. We have to give them everything that they need to succeed. In certain cases, yes, that's going to be information telling them, hey, this is what Jesus wants you to do. Hey, this is how Jesus or Paul or Scripture in general tells us to behave in this situation. This is how Scripture tells us to form this habit. And so first things first, if you know what the person next to you is trying to grow, knowing how they're trying to transform their life, give them the information that they need. Help them set up habits. Help them set up the things that they need to set up. Help inform them of maybe some things that they're missing in their life, lacking in their knowledge of. And that's the first thing that we see Jesus give Nicodemus. Now, throughout the other two mentions of Nicodemus that we have in Scripture, we don't actually see Jesus interact directly with Nicodemus. But I have a very hard time believing that Nicodemus and Jesus did not interact personally between now and Jesus' death. I have a really hard time believing it. Because we see Jesus interact with the Pharisees a whole bunch between when Nicodemus first comes to him and the end of Jesus' life. We're able to see that Jesus goes to the Sanhedrin on his final night. And I have a very strong belief that this was not the last interaction that we see, or that Jesus and Nicodemus had. But these next two points are kind of pulling from the story and pulling from this understanding that, hey, Jesus and Nicodemus probably interacted more than just here in John chapter 3. The next thing that I think we're able to see Jesus give Nicodemus is his patience. We're able to get the feel, or we often feel that when we want people to transform, when we want our spouse to do something differently, when we want our kid to start behaving differently, we expect a 180-degree turn. We expect that person to go zero to 60, hit the ground running, and get it right right then and right there. And I think for good reason, because we can see the benefit of changing that direction. We can see the benefit of hitting the ground running. But like we said, it took Nicodemus three years for us to see this full transformation. It took time for Nicodemus to get this idea through his head that, hey, what Jesus is teaching is right. And when we, when we come to actually helping others in helping the other Christians around us. We have to realize that it's a marathon and not a sprint. We have to realize that we are not sending these people on a 100-meter dash. We're sending these people on a 26-mile run. This is not something that they're going to get right out the gate. If there's something that they're trying to actually transform, a change that they're actually trying to make, and a change that you're trying to push them towards, the odds of them getting it exactly right the first time, not super high. And so when it comes to actually helping those around us, invoking change and encouraging the people around us, let's make sure that we're patient with them when they mess up and they lose that habit that they've been working towards, when they slip up and, and, you know, forget whatever they've been working on for a week, two weeks, be patient with them. Be understanding and say, hey, it's a mistake. Let's get you back on your feet and get you back walking in the right direction. And so we're able to see that Jesus was patient with Nicodemus. It wasn't something that he expected him to do after their first meeting. Nicodemus took his time, and Jesus was patient with him. And then the next thing that we're able to see Jesus give Nicodemus, and I think we're able to apply this to everyone that Jesus interacts with and that we see grow, is Jesus gives Nicodemus room to grow. You see, a lot of times we we don't see Jesus overreaching or stifling the growth of Nicodemus. I think a lot of times when we come into these situations, we want to be an encourager. We want to make sure that, hey, we're actively pushing this person in the right direction. But, you know, a lot of times I think we can be sometimes overbearing with how much we're focused in on this, how much encouragement we're actually giving these people. And I know sometimes people feel like we're breathing down their neck, when we're trying to help them transform, and trying to help them grow. And now, yes, we do need to encourage, we do need to check in, but make sure that you're giving these people the space to do it on their own, and make sure that you're not being overbearing. The the kind of analogy that, that I thought of when thinking of this is treat it like you would a goldfish. Uh, I looked up the record for this uh, this afternoon. The world's biggest goldfish is 67 pounds and three ounces, if I remember right. Absolutely massive. Now how did the goldfish get this big? Someone put it in the little one gallon tank, made sure that they kept the water fresh and clean, moved it up to a three gallon tank, moved it up to a 10 gallon tank, moved it up to a bigger tank, and then put it in a pond. And lo and behold, a couple years later, you have a 63 pound goldfish. Now, does that guy who grew that or goldfish to 63 pounds, did he stop checking in on it? Did he stop giving it food? Did he stop cleaning its tank? No. He was there to feed it. He was there to make sure that the tank was clean when it was in that little one-gallon, three-gallon, ten-gallon tank. He was an encourager. He made sure that it had the space and nutrients and environment to actually grow. But he also set it up to keep growing beyond what it had before. And when it comes to our situation, helping the people around us grow today, we're in the same place. Think of the person you're trying to help as a goldfish. They need clean water. They need food. But if they're going to get bigger, they need space as well. So be an encourager. Give them prayer. Give them your time. Give them your ear. Give them whatever they need, but also set them up to grow as well, which means letting them stumble from time to time, which means letting them, you know, step out a little bit further, get a little more space and see what it's like having this transformation in a setting that's not normal for them. Let them grow on their own as well as while you're pushing them. When we look at the story of Nicodemus's growth, we're able to see there are a lot of things that helped Nicodemus grow. And yes, a lot of it was on a personal level. He was actively seeking out Jesus, he was actively standing up to the habits and mindset that he had before. And he gave himself time. He said, Hey, if this is true, I'm not going to dive in. Head first, I'm going to give myself time to actually think this through. We're able to see that Nicodemus well, was a thinker. He took his time on these things. And those things were great. Those are things that led to Nicodemus's growth. But also, if you're growing, rely on other people. If you're someone who's in the church, if you're a member of the church and you see someone beside you that needs help growing, be like Jesus and actually help them give them the information and encouragement that they need be patient with them it's not going to be an overnight transformation and give them room to grow that doesn't mean stop encouraging them that doesn't mean stop talking to them but it means give them the space that they need to also learn on their own if we follow this plan if we follow the plan that we see nicodemus implement in his own personal life and we see the plan that Jesus gave for us when we're interacting and encouraging the people around us to transform, the amount of growth that we're going to have is going to be amazing. We're going to go from that 50 cent goldfish you get at PetSmart or at the fair, and we're going to turn into that 63 pound lake monster. We're going to have the growth. We're going to have the transformation that we need to have. Just make sure that you're doing it the way that God has shown us to do through Nicodemus's growth that we're able to see. I'm not sure what's going on in your life right now. I'm not sure what your struggles are. But if there's something that you've been struggling with and you need the prayers or encouragement of the church, we're here to wrap our arms around you, love you, and be that encouragement for you tonight. And if you're someone who's been studying about the goodness of God, studying about Jesus's. uh the salvation that Jesus provides for us through his blood and that sacrifice, and you want to become a member of the church, we're here for you, we're here to wrap our arms around you and love you, and the water's ready to welcome you into this family. And so if there's anything that you need from the church tonight, please come now as we stand and as we sing.